Everyone, it's good to see you here in the house of the Lord. I'm excited to death about being here, and I'm so glad that you are. We appreciate those of you that may be tuning in on Facebook or listening on Sermon Audio, and, and uh, we trust that our time together will, will be a blessing. We'll start like we do with prayer requests, and then we'll quote our foundational verse for this little Bible study, and then we'll move in to review and on into the Bema or the judgment seat of Christ. Patsy Young texted me a little bit earlier and said that she is having a great deal of pain from her back. She has a lot of issues, so I told her we'd remember her in prayer, so let's, let's lift her up. Someone else with a request? Jed's sick, got the flu, she said, so pray for Jedediah. <clears throat> Hi, BJ. I just saw you. Pray for Megan. And she's got to move again. BJ, give you this. I don't think you've got one. Just, just for a little private study for folks, I gave that good seed, bro. Yeah, Mandy, Lord, unless the Lord intervenes, she's going to have to move in June. So that means me and Debbie are going to help her move. So pray for us too. So love that youngin's heart. Anyone else? Undoubtedly, I'm not, John. <laughs> I'll try that on her when I call her. So anyway, unspoken, I'm sure we all have this. Don't forget a revival coming up March 4th through 8th. I'm excited about that, looking forward to it. So um, uh, yeah, a lot of great things happen. And the Lord may come this year. Wouldn't that be good, those of us that are ready? Father, we're so, so thankful to be in the house of the Lord, brothers and sisters in Christ. And we thank you for this great book, Father, we call the Bible. It's the Word of God. It contains God's words, but it's all your book. And I'm thankful for the inspiration of the Spirit of God that you, uh, that, that you give to those men, Lord, that you use to give us your Word exactly as you would have it. And I'm thankful tonight for the preservation of it. A lot of people wouldn't agree with me on that, but Father, I'm just as happy with the King James Bible as I can be. And I just pray that you'd bless us as we look into it tonight. Open our understanding, lengthen our memories, and may we, Father, may we hear what the Spirit says. It's not what I say about the Word of God anywhere, especially this subject on the assurance of, of our salvation, the believer's security. But Lord, it's what you've said. You knew the requests before that they were made, and God, there's nothing we've learned in your Word that you can't do. So according to your will, for your glory, pray, God, that you'd move upon all these folks and these needs. Bless us again, I pray, as we look into this great, great subject, and we'll praise you ever in the name of Jesus. Amen. And we don't want to forget, and I know you all aren't, forget to pray for Jessica. Um, haven't heard from Dorothy again. I'm going to text her after we get home to see how the day's been for, for her daughter, Jessica. All right, let's quote John 3, 16 together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, as you turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm going to give you a real quick review of where we were at last week, even make a couple of corrections, if, if I may, or clarifications whatever you'd want to call them, both of them I think are appropriate. We have for the last three weeks now looked at two different things. We've looked 
at the work of Jesus Christ in our salvation and the maintaining of it or the maintenance of it. And then last week we started looking at the work of the Holy Spirit and how involved He is in our salvation from the beginning, from the fact that He convicts us of our sins, convinces us of our need of a Savior, the fact that we're born again. Jesus said you must be born again from above, except you be born of water and the Spirit, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. You cannot even, you cannot even enter into the kingdom of heaven. We know that uh, He baptizes us into the body. He seals us. He is the earnest of the Spirit. And there's where we're going to pick back up. But the Holy Spirit is just a, a marvelous, marvelous instrument when it comes to our salvation. And we've learned through this that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all instrumental in our, in our salvation and the maintaining of of it. Can anybody in here, were you ever, anybody in here save their self, say amen if you did? You had to be saved by grace through faith. Well, you know what? If we can't save ourselves, none of us, none of us can keep ourselves. If you agree with that, say amen. We are kept by the power of God, this book says. And what a joy it was for me to learn that. I didn't start out that way in my Christian walk, and uh, but I'm glad that the Lord has opened my mind and my understanding to these very things. Now, tonight, like I say, we're going to move to the beam after we look real briefly at, um, at the uh, Holy Spirit and how that He is our earnest. But we'll look, at the, we'll look at things like the time of the bema, the place of the bema, and also the purpose of the bema. Look, if you will, um, where does it say it? Chapter 1. Chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians, I believe it is. Is that where it's at? If it's not, let me find my... There are times that I look at things and I can't see it when I'm looking right. There it is in verse 14. It was right. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Now, as, as we've looked at the Holy Spirit, we, we begin to think about... Uh, things like, you know, his, his sealing. We're, we're sealed. And we talked about the kind of seal that, that uh, the Holy Spirit is. He, he authenticates. He, he assures ownership of, the Holy, uh, of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you all a question. You remember when Peter said that we are to be peculiar people? Y'all remember that? If you, if you don't, we'll turn to it. It's 1 Peter 2, 9, I believe it is. We, we are peculiar. Does anybody know what peculiar people mean? That doesn't mean strange. Let me help you there. Now, I have known a few strange Christians, though. Say amen right there. Uh, but but, but do, do you know what he's saying when he says that we are a peculiar people? Anybody? Well, we are set apart for sure, but that's not what it means. A great, a great, a great try. Anybody else? We are unique. There's no doubt about that. Uniquely set apart. I like both of those. Those are preached, by the way. Anybody else? One of a kind we are. But what Peter was saying is when he said we are a peculiar people, it means that we are a purchased possession. He paid a price for me. Isn't that amazing? That's exactly what it means. We are a purchased possession 
of Jesus Christ. Now, all, all of y'all's comments were good. I liked them. But man, I'm telling you what, that, I, I remember when I learned that long ago and what a, what a blessing that it is. Now, this, this earnest, what is an earnest? Every, everybody in here that's ever um, bought a house probably has dealt with earnest money, right? So, somebody want to tell the class what earnest is, what earnest money is? It's a down payment. What's the purpose of it? So it is a promise of something, right? And could I say it's a promise of more to come? Now let this sink into you. Man, this, this just thrills me. Listen to what Peter or Paul said here in Ephesians verses 13 and 14 of chapter 1. He said, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. You see our inheritance, Peter tells us, in well, it's either the first chapter or first or second, Peter can't remember right now, that we have an inheritance that's reserved in heaven for you, period, who are kept by the power of God. Isn't that wonderful? See, a lot of times people think, well, God can keep our inheritance with no trouble. We don't have any problem with that. But people say, I don't know what He can keep me. Well, I'm glad that I learned He can not only keep my inheritance that He promised, but He can keep me till those two come together. That's shouting ground right there, you all. You hear me? Y'all look passive at it, but that's good, good stuff. So the earnest, here's what an earnest is. Like you said, it is a down payment. It is also a promise. I love that word. It is a promise of the whole thing. And think with me now about the thought of this. Everybody in here that's saved, say amen. Well, all of us have been sealed with the Spirit. We have become indwelt by the Spirit. He is a permanent, a permanent resident in our heart. That's what the Word of God says. It's one of the big differences between the Holy Spirit working in this world, uh, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. If you remember last week, we talked about, and I'm going to revisit something here in a minute on that, how that the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament came upon people to do great things. He enabled Samson, like I told you, to move the bars or the gates of the city and carry them several miles, and I forgot to look at that again, um, and uh, carried them away. He enabled Saul, the first king of Israel, to establish the administration that Israel needed to be to have a human king. Things were changed. He was a great military strategist. I mean, he did a lot of great things, but spiritually, you know, he lacks. And we could talk about other prophets and, and uh, priests and kings and people that God, through the Holy Spirit, that came upon them not to indwell them, enabled them to do what God called them to do. All the judges, all the judges, uh, for instance. But the Holy Spirit did not permanently abide on them or in them with the exception of one person. Who was that we talked about? Anybody? King David. First Samuel chapter 16, look at that. Now, I worry about what I teach. I take it seriously. And, and I, got to, I even got to thinking, 
Was there a difference in the Holy Spirit coming upon David? Remember in Psalm 51, he cried and prayed after he had sinned with Bathsheba, remove not thy Holy Spirit from me. Well, though the Bible says that he came upon David, it meant that David also possessed him. So he was permanent in David. I wish I knew more about that. I wish I could understand that more. But I know what the Word of God says, and I'm going to leave it up to God that knows. But this earnest of the Spirit, it means it's a guarantee of more to come. And here's what I like. All of y'all have been saved. All of y'all have been sealed. Now, how many of y'all have ever been blessed? All right, I'm going to ask you another question. So blessed that you thought you were going to come out of your socks. I mean, come on, don't be shy. We all have at one time or another. I mean, almost to the point you, that, that, now stay with me and let this go in, that you didn't know at the moment whether you were going to be able to stand it or not. Now, I'm not talking about being slain in the Spirit. Everybody heard me say that, say amen. That's, that's not biblical. That's not biblical, okay? But I have been so blessed at times, I just didn't know whether I was going to stand myself. Now, listen. They tell me that an earnest is about Anybody in here deal with real estate a lot? How much is an earnest? What percentage of the whole thing is it? One, one tenth of a percent? I've heard that. Is it a. No, you don't get your money back. Right. But they can take you to court and don't have to give you the whole thing. We learned that out the hard way. I mean, you know, we can do anything in the courts today. But, but, but say it is a tenth. I think it is 1% of the whole thing or whatever. I'm not good with numbers. Y'all know that. But listen, see, I'm, I'm already happy because I know what I'm going to say. If being blessed down here like we get blessed is just a tenth of what's going to come, can you imagine what it's going to be when we get the whole thing? See, that excites me to death. But that's what the Holy Spirit is. He is a down payment, a guarantee, a promise of more to come. No wonder we're going to have to have a glorified body like our Lord's. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that was worth coming. Me telling you, I hope it was worth you coming, me hearing you. So let's go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Start on another part on this. But while you're turning... I want to talk to you about something. I'll wait to that, though, till I get to 1 John, okay? It'll, it'll fit better with 1 John. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is a we chapter. It, it's a chapter that you see the word we, I believe it's 26 times, if I remember correctly. So when Paul was writing to the Corinthians here at Corinth, he specified believers, followers of Christ, we. We, we, he repeats this. It's a great chapter. I don't have time to even go through it briefly to tell you what all it's about. But the beginning of it has to do about getting a new body. And we've got some promises here. And I want to focus, I want to focus beginning in verse, um, I don't know, in verse 6, read down through and include verse 10, because I want to pick something up in verse 9 uh, for us to consider. He said this, he said, therefore, we are always confident. I like being confident. I like people that know things, and I like knowing things. So there are some things that we can know if we know Christ and if we know the Word of God. That whilst we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. 
Paul was taken up into the third heaven, according to the book of 2 Corinthians 12. Saw things there unlawful to be uttered. And it was so great that Paul said to the church at Philippi, he said in chapter 1, maybe verse 20, 21, he said, I'm in a strait. He said, I, I'm between a rock and a hard place. He said, I've got a desire to depart and be with the Lord and listen to this phrase, which is far better. Doesn't that give you hope? Doesn't that encourage? Doesn't that, man, he said, but to abide in the flesh is more needful. So Paul goes on to say here, he said, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And we are confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Paul was simply saying this, while we're at home physically in this body on planet earth, we are physically away from God. And yet, I'm not trying to confuse you, probably shouldn't throw this in. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that Christ being in the heavenlies, so are we. We're in him and he's in us. He's there in our stead. We're here in his stead. Told you I probably shouldn't have thrown it in there. He said, but watch this in verse 11. Now watch how he says this. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Now we looked at this verse that I'm going to refer to in Ephesians chapter 1. Just give you the last part of it. Not going to turn to it. Wouldn't be hard to. But Paul tells us that we there, listen now, we are accepted in the beloved. Paul here says, my goal, my purpose, my aim, my desire is to be accepted of him. What's the difference? Now we're heading to the Bema. We're heading to the judgment. And just before Paul mentioned that, he said, here's what I'm striving to do. I want to be accepted of him. I know I'm already in him. I'm confident of that. I know my salvation is sure. I know I'm on my way to heaven. I don't have any problem with knowing that I'm in Christ, but here's what he wanted. He said, I want to be accepted of him. So I'm going to labor. Turn with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at what Paul said. Verses, I know it's verse 27. I may read a couple more to go with it. Yeah, I will. I'm going to pick it up in verse 24 of chapter 9, 1 Corinthians. Still here a page or two turning. We ready? Know ye not, verse 24, that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. Now this goes too with the Bema and what it's connected with and, and uh, how it relates to the believer. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Paul undoubtedly uh, enjoyed going to uh, the Corinthian games or uh, the Olympic games. Both of them were in place at that time. And he uses a lot of athletic uh, illustrations and metaphors and here he does in this. He said, watch this. He said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. He said, but I keep my body. He said, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. 
Now notice what it does not say. It does not say, lest I be cast away. Y'all see that, don't you? See, I grew up thinking, lest I be cast away. It's my fault that I didn't read it clearly. But Paul said this. He said, I myself, lest I myself should be a castaway. You know what the word castaway means there? It means to be of no profit. It means to be shelved. To be taken off the stage of action and to be shelved. Boy, I'll tell you what, we ought to, we ought to be careful as Paul. We ought to strive for the mastery, not somebody else's, but yours. What, what your potential is. And this all goes with this idea of the Bema, judgment. Any questions so far, comments? Have I muddied the water? Is it okay? Y'all got you? Any questions? Okay. All right, let's go back to 2 Corinthians 5 and read on in verse 10. Paul said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive things done in the body according to that he or she hath done, whether it be good or bad. And look at verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Here's what Paul was saying, listen, in essence, and simply this and truly this, we're all going to be judged by Jesus Christ, the judge. Now here's the deal. Everybody that goes to the Bema is saved. Everybody heard me say that, say amen. The Bema is not a place to decide whether or not an individual is saved or lost. Everybody that goes to the Bema is saved. They're a child of the King on their way to heaven. It's not about, this judgment is not about salvation or the possibility of losing our salvation. If you understand that, say amen. And I'll prove that in 1 Corinthians 3. But it is about, it is to determine what our rewards will be for our service in this life. Hence Paul saying, Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, I persuade men. To do what, preacher? To do all you can. To be all you can. To run all the way. Don't run to the finish line. Run through the finish line. Are you all with me? That's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying... We, we, we need to pay attention. It is a judgment. And it will be a time of judgment where some will suffer loss. Maybe all of us to some degree. Some will end up being ashamed. Some will go to heaven. Like J. Vernon McGee said, some people, all of their works are going to be burned. They will be saved. Their soul will be saved. J. Vernon says, he says it like this. He said, we'll meet some people in heaven that smell like they come through the fire cell. <laughs> I just love that phrase. I, I, I wish I'd have thought about that. So this is a serious business. Now, turn to 1 Corinthians 3. I've already spent a little more time on this than... I thought that I would, but I'm not going to apologize. I'm trying to follow the leadership of the Spirit. The time of this judgment will be after the rapture. The place of this judgment, no one is sure. 
I can tell you where the nations are going to be judged. They're going to be judged in the valley of Jehoshaphat according to Matthew chapter 25. Most scholars and theologians believe that is a valley yet to be created uh, and it will lie between Mount Olivet and Mount Moriah, the Temple Mount. Um, we, we, we know where the great white throne judgment is. We know where our sins was judged in Christ at Calvary. Um, but... We can't pinpoint where the Bema will be, so most people think and believe, and I'm one of them, that it'll be somewhere in the heavenlies. Somewhere before we get to heaven, but somewhere after we've left planet Earth. It'll be immediately following, I think, the rapture, because when you get to Revelation 4, and we see the throne... And you remember the four and twenty elders around the throne? Y'all remember that? Laying their crowns down? Well, they've had to have gone to a judgment before they could have crowns to lay them down. That sound good? That sound very logical, right? And I believe that's the timeline. We, 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 we can know the time. We can know the place. We may not know the place, but we can know the purpose. And here's what it is. It is to determine... Whether we, can I say it this way? Tell me if I'm wrong. To determine the amount of rewards we will either gain or lose. Does that sound logical? I think that's what it is. Let's, let's read real quick. Pick it up in verse, uh, pick it up in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says that we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry. You're God's building. He said, now, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereupon. Now watch this caution, but wait just a minute, pay attention, he's saying. On the other hand, he said, let every man, that means woman, boy, or girl, take heed how he or she or they build, buildeth thereon. Y'all remember the old song, I'm, I'm, I'm laying a seat. Gosh, what is it? Something about laying up, uh, sending up boards, or I'm building something. In, I mean, it's like the song. I wish I could get it all together. I hadn't thought about it until just now. But the song kind of indicates that people down here and the work they were doing are, are sending up, you know, the kind of lumber and building material for the kind of home they'll have in Heaven, heaven. I'm telling you, songs are not always theologically correct. Amen. Anybody is older, older than I am, remember that song, something like it? Anybody? You remember what? Working on, is that what it is? Is that what you're all, okay. But y'all remember the content of it? It's really not very biblical. <laughs> but people sang it a whole lot. Now watch. The foundation, of course, is Jesus Christ. We could go through that, show you that he's the precious stone, the chief stone, the tried stone, the cornerstone, and all of that. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And watch now how, how that Paul, how he highlights the fact that this is an individual responsibility. Now, if any man build upon the foundation, and here are the only six kind of materials that we have to build with. Gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble. 
He said, every man's, what's the next word? Say it out loud. Work. Now listen to this, not salvation. Every man's work shall be tried and made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's what? Of what sort it shall be, and if any man say the word, work abide, which he have built thereon, he shall receive a what? Not salvation. We don't work. Newsflash from heaven. We don't work for our salvation. We don't work to keep our salvation. We work because we have salvation. Y'all agree with that? Say amen. I can show you that, and I'm not going to take you there. I'm just going to make a reference. Some of y'all just take notes and then do other studies. So in Matthew 25, the judgment of the nations, the sheep and the goat nations, although it speaks of nations, individuals will be judged. They are judged according to the way they treated the brethren of Jesus Christ, which is the Jews, during the time of the tribulation. He came into his own, his own received him not. He was the son of David, he was the son of Abraham. He was a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. And the world is going to be judged to see who goes into the millennium and who gets cast into the lake of fire. That's the judgment there. So somebody said long ago, and I wish I could remember the great saint that it was, they said, it says it's faith and faith alone that saves, but faith that saves is not alone. What does James say? And we're not going there, but it just comes across my mind because of the Holy Spirit prompted me. What does James say about works and faith? Anybody remember? He says, if you have not works, your faith is vibrant. He said it's dead being alone. So works are an important part. Can I brag on this church a little bit? Can I brag on you all? You all, without a doubt, and I'm happy to brag on you all to other people, so I'll just brag on you to your face. You're all the most amazing people that I've ever had the privilege of pastoring. And this goes to anybody else that's belonging to Roxalanda that may, may be here or listening in. Not here, but listening in. You all do what you do, and you do it well, but you do it because you love the Lord. And that's the right impetus. That's the right reason. You all are amazing. I mean, you give what you do, and you give of yourself. You, you take it serious. You do wonderful works. All of you, whatever you do, it's amazing. And you do it. Look, pastors can shame people to where they do something. Pastor can try to lead other people into it, and sometimes they'll just follow because they feel like that they're obligated. But I've never pastored a bunch of people that do what they do because they love the Lord. It's amazing. I, and I listen, I can't compliment, compliment you any higher than that. I thank God. My, my brother, he's here. He talks about the ministry that he does like it's nothing. And I've told him time and again, it's, so, it's no less important than what I do. It's just different. 
Everybody's ministry is significant. It is important. And when we do it because we love the Lord, when we do it for His glory and the good of God's spirit, you can't get any, you can't get things any better, any better than that. So anyway, that would not, like Greg Carney says, that's not in my notes. That's in my heart. That's in my heart. So as we read through this, let, let me, let me, let me, let me take this as a teaching moment. Just let the Word of God say what the Word of God wants to say. The word work is mentioned here, I don't know, five times. He's talking about works. He's talking about the works of the believer that one day are going to be tested. Now, how are we, who, who's going to determine what works will endure the judgment? The question is, who's the judge? Okay. Turn with me quickly to the book of Revelation, chapter 1, and we'll get a picture of him. In chapter 1 of the book of the Revelation, when John sees somebody walking in and out the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, he describes how he looks. And I'm going to try to emphasize um, one thing about him. I just don't want to take time to do any more in verse 14. We have here a picture of Jesus as the great high priest of the church. I believe he's in his priestly garments. And these seven candlesticks we know are pictures of the seven churches of Asia Minor. This depicts the complete church from Pentecost to rapture. And he's walking in and out of those seven golden candlesticks. And because he knows them, because he loves them, he writes seven letters to them. And they're very personal letters. But look what he says in verse 14 is John. Let me pick it up in verse 13. He said, In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about uh, the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as, that's an important word, a flame of fire. Go back now to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 3. And the Bible says in verse 13, He said, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by, say the word, and the what shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, what's the big difference between gold, silver, and precious stone and wood, hay, and stubble? When it comes to fire, some are purified more with it and others are totally destroyed. So, have we got any ideas about what the wood, hay, and the stubble is compared to the gold, silver, and the precious stone? Anyone? They are good works versus the bad works. But let's, let's make it a little more personal. Let's, let's bring it down to, you know, the good works and the bad works. How is that determined? What, 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 um, what qualifies as good works and bad works? When it's what? Well, that's a good work, that's for sure. But can I tell you, would you believe it? I think it possible to be a soul winner and not do it in the right way and lose that reward? Yeah. 
Bingo, one. Anybody else? That would be another to go along with what she said, the attitude motivating what you were doing. See, not everybody does things that they do for God's glory. If y'all understand that, say amen. So whose glory are they doing it for, if not God's? Their self. Those works will be burned. They'll be saved. You, you, you remember what Jesus said about giving, don't let your left hand know what your right one did. Don't be as the Pharisees and toot your own horn and stand in the street corner and say, look at what I did. I tithe of all that I do. I go to church, you know, and I fast and I do all this. What, you remember what Jesus said to them? They have their reward. They have their... Another thing besides attitude. How about character? Let me, let me give you a couple of things. And I, I really, really, really hope this helps. Desire, it, it will. It's exactly right, brother. That, that's, that's one of them too. Um, the kinds of material, the gold, silver, and precious stone, and if you agree with me, let me know. If you don't, you know, we'll dig some more. Those things are indestructible, and I believe those things have to do with the things of God that He gives us, and He, he graces us with gifts, every one of us. Y'all agree with that? Everybody has a gift. Y'all agree with that? Say amen. Now, they're different. Even the same, my, my gift, my calling, is the same as Joshua's gifts and calling. We've been called to preach. We've been gifted with that. Would y'all agree with that? But they're different. Because Josh is different, I'm different. Would y'all agree with that? So it's not a competition between each other. It's all of us being the best we can be for the glory of God. If you agree with that, say amen. You see, some people will be a 30-fold producer, others a 60, and some a 100. I believe we all, really in our heart of hearts, want to strive to be a 100. But here's my thoughts on this. If I'm a 30-fold producer and I produce 30-fold, I'm a 100% producer. If I can't produce 60-fold or 100, I'm not to strive for that. I'm just to strive to be the best 30% producer that I can be. Does that make sense? 60 or 100. So here's what I believe. I believe that gold, silver, and precious stone are those indestructible things that will withstand the fire that God has given to us to be used by man, and here's the kicker, for the glory of God. Not the glory of man. So what do you think the wood, hay, and stubble would be? The things that we use, the things that are destructible actually, that are used by man and produced by man and his own efforts for his own glory. I want to tell y'all something. Some of these big wigs, they may own, they may own the most expensive mansion of any preacher on planet earth. That doesn't mean they're going to be diddly squat when they get to heaven. And I'm not judging them. Don't take me wrong. That's up to God. But here's what I do believe. I believe some of the greatest rewards will go to some of these backwoods preachers that are pastoring as faithfully as they can, feeding a flock of 17 or 7 or 37, 
week after week being faithful to the Word of God, to prayer, to preparation, to ministry to that little group of people. We wouldn't know their name if it came across the scroll on TV somewhere. But God's got it down in His book. And when judgment comes, when judgment comes, He's going to mete out rewards. Y'all may disagree with me, but if you want to be wrong, that's your problem, not mine. I love to say that every now and then. And that's what I was going to say too. Not only having them, but how well we use them. But I believe the really key factors, like Doug said, the desire, Debbie said, the attitude, and I throwed in the character about what motivates us. What I remember hearing when I was growing up a lot, you know, there's no big eyes, little U's in the church. And I've even heard things like this. I've told you from the pulpit. You know, he said, they say preachers' conferences is like a big it's like a big traffic jam. A lot of cars, you know, they get in a traffic jam, they'll blow their horn. Preachers trying to toot their own horn and get out front. So I don't know whether well, that's true or not, but I have a sneaking suspicion that some of that may be. But it, yeah. And that's all God expects. Exactly. And that, that's all God wants, the best we can do. And we ought to love Him that much, with, without a doubt, and I, I believe you do. So the Bema will determine what was done by and through you and I as individuals, whether it be by the power of God for the glory of God or the power of man for the glory of man. Now let's be honest. I'm going to be honest. Look, we, we all have been in church long enough probably that we can do church without the Spirit of God. And everybody that's spiritually minded will know the difference. See, Josh and I talk about unction all the time. Josh and I talk about the anointing on this place, on this preacher. Every preacher comes through this place. I'm going I'm to boast in the Lord. Talks about how free this pulpit is. How, 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 how anointed this place is. It, this is a special place. When I was growing up, they used to call it the sacred desk. You know, there, there was a reverence and a fear in the heart of men who got behind this. Not, not just every Tom, Dick, and Harry, so to speak, I ought to be here. Let's just face it. I mean, it, it, it's an honor. It's a great responsibility. And I am on holy ground. You all are too, by the way. And I'm dealing with souls every time I get up here. And I'm, I'm totally aware of that. But there are a lot of people that don't take serious the calling that God's put in their life. And God's going to judge us. And we can do things in the flesh. Now, there are times that I'm afraid I have been guilty of, and I've not got this figured out yet, doing things in the flesh to get them done, but not to try to do it without God. There's a verse of Scripture that says, 2 Timothy chapter 4, I can take it to you and show it to you. He said, be instant in season and out of season. I'm going to tell you the truth. It's not every time I've gotten in the pulpit in 40, almost 47 years that I've been bubbling over. There are times I get in and struggling. There are times I may look confident and you think, man, Tom's got this down pat. I'm inside falling apart. I'm standing here saying, God, if you don't do something, these bunch of sheep will go home starved to death. I mean, I need you. And there have been times 
that I've done that knowing that I need to do what I'm called to do without an overflowing or rush of the Spirit. Now, I'm not sure that that'll be wood, hay, and stubble. But there are people that without the Spirit of God on them will get up and play act. Anybody ever heard the word hypocrite? What's it mean? Somebody, somebody define hypocrite. It's, a, it's, a, it's an actor, a play actor. Exactly Somebody that hides behind a mask. That's exactly what it is. So anyway, I don't know who is and who isn't, but God does. And thank God, he said, all I'm responsible for is taking care of myself. We're, we're going to quit there. I'll, I'll tell you where we're going next week after... Well, next week, we will shift gears again. We'll go to the book of 1 John. And I encourage you to read it five chapters. It won't take long to do. It's a very personal letter from God to His children. It's, it's a family letter. Okay, it's, it, 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 it's an amazing letter. God's writing it to His children. And John gets down to brass taxes. He actually tells us who is saved and who isn't. Now, part of this, I think, this study on, on the security of the believer, one of the questions that probably all of us have had at one time or another is, who is saved and who isn't saved? I remember when I learned, that's not up to me to decide. That's between God and everybody else. I'm only to be focused on me, but wait just a minute. I watch y'all. You follow me? And you ought to watch me. You with me? You ought, you ought to examine my fruit. Now, what's one of the most famous, always quoted out of context verses of Scripture that you hear in this day? And it's not John 3.16. Bingo. Judge not lest you be judged. People are, they think they're so smart, but they're so ignorant. That's only one thing. The beginning of chapter 7 of the book of Matthew that, that's where it's mentioned. But if you go on down and read in that chapter, it teaches that we are to judge. In fact, I can give you a verse of Scripture out of Corinthians, maybe the first book of Corinthians. I have to look for it. He says, The spiritual man judgeth all things. Now, we've got to be discerning in this day. I've told you all that. But we'll look at, we'll look at 1 John, and uh, we'll see what John says. We'll see how John tells us about how to decide who is saved and who isn't. Because look, folks, not everybody professes to be saved is a possessor of Christ and is possessed by Christ. And it's sad because everybody, everybody can be. And then after that, we will... And I'm not going to do a deep dive in any of those verses. I'm just going to highlight them, lift them up, make comments, and move on. Then we'll go, if, if it's the Lord's will, after, after our revival... We'll look at some scriptures, you know, throughout the Word of God that uh, maybe seems to say that you can lose your salvation, but we'll find if we understand it right to divide it. It has nothing to do with that. All right. Questions, comments? All right. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Got to be careful. All right. Love you and appreciate you. Glad you come. Say amen. Appreciate y'all.
Father, we're thankful for another privilege of being among your 